Hey there, Get Wired listeners. Today, we're sharing an episode of the Pitchfork Review Podcast from our friends at Pitchfork. The editor-in-chief of Pitchfork, Pooja Patel, talked to the members of the band 100 Gex. Their music is a chaotic and noisy blend of musical genres that's described as hyperpop. This conversation with Pooja mostly focuses on 100 Gex and their music, but it also shines a light on how Spotify is shaping musical tastes and even the very definition of hyperpop through its curated playlists. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll be back next week with a new episode of Get Wired. This is the Pitchfork Review. I'm Pooja Patel, the editor of Pitchfork. And today I'm here with Lara Less and Dylan Brady of 100 Gex. Hello. How's it going? If you haven't heard of them yet, 100 Gex is a wildly popular musical duo. Their breakout song was last year's explosive Money Machine. Which was a good example of what was to come. This unique, heavily layered, semi-chaotic sound that has polarized music critics, even within Pitchfork. So I think first things first, is it 100 Gex or 100 Gex? Isn't there a third option too? 100 Gex. (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. It's it's either 100 Gex, 100 Gex, or 100 Gex. Or 100, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you refer to yourselves? Dylan and Lara? Those knuckleheads. 100 Geese. (laughs) (laughs) Lara, what music were you making? when you came across Dylan? Um, I was making like sort of like singer-songwriter stuff, but uh, I always knew that I would want a drum in there somewhere. Dylan, what were you doing? I was producing um, rap songs for uh, some friends of mine at the time. I hadn't really um, made my own music at that point, I think. I was just kind of like doing the producer grind, chopping up samples and shit. Doing very good at it. So when you guys first met, how did you start collaborating? What did that look like? First, there was a long time of us just being like, oh, yeah, we should do something. Yeah, 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 totally. And Mm -hmm. like mostly just like hanging out. Very naturally, a lot of people listen to your music and they think of PC music or they use that as kind of a a launch pad to understand it. PC music for those who might not be Familiar with it is the label and artist collective that was founded back in the day now by A.G. Cook. Um, I remember I was an editor at Spin when when that was all rising and like when Sophie's Bip landed and literally everyone was just like, holy shit, this is a revelation. Like this is going to change music forever. Do you guys remember that? Like, do you remember when you first engaged with PC music and what that felt like? Yeah. Yes. I was uh, in the back of my friend's car. It was like really hot and really late. And they played um, GFOTY cake mix. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing I heard. And I was like, holy shit, this is it. This is 
I feel like I've been waiting my whole life until this moment to hear yeah. this. No, thing. I mean, that's literally, that's the vibe. I was like extremely yeah. like depressed in my apartment in Chicago and was just like, I'm going to go on YouTube. And I saw the Halloween mix. It was like at some point mm -hmm. in like 2014. It's Halloween. Watch out. It's not a ghost that's behind you. Where's your boyfriend? <gasps> He's a cool. Boyfriend of the year. Boyfriend of the year. Ha, 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 ha. Definitely part. <gasps> I've eaten your pet bird. Now I'm going to break your into your house bird. to see all the demons under your bed. And I was just like, dude. <laughs> like, depression yeah. lapsed for a minute. And was just like, okay, like the ray, the ray of, of God beams shining down from the clouds. I was like, <laughs> this is the craziest shit I've ever experienced. Yeah, I feel like in that moment, part of the kind of like brain explosion there was that it felt so alien, but also extremely familiar and like hooky and danceable and like accessible and I'm wondering from your perspective, especially as people who are now making music that is kind of tangentially related in some folks' minds, like what does PC music sound like? Could you break down what makes that genre or collective sound uniquely like them? Huge, huge vocals, more vocals. Extre ext extreme Extreme sounds. vocals. I don't want to do it. There's a reason they call it a kick drum. Super saws. Just going nutty, you know? Just going absolutely hog wild. PC music was really great because it sounds it sounds so clean and so like yeah because each part is so distinct and doing its own thing yeah I feel like it gets the rep of like being super maximalist but it doesn't seem that way to me like yeah I agree they all seem very minimal I don't know there's like no extraneous pieces Yeah, I actually feel like it can be like pretty emotionally vulnerable. Absolutely, for, definitely for something that is huge range. Yeah, that is like pegged as like you said as maximalist. I w I was talking to somebody like in the early days that was saying the opposite. They were like, I hate that kind of music because it's so like divorced from any emotion. And I was like, I I was like, I what? do not understand that perspective. Seems hyper emotional to yeah. me. Yeah. It's so poppy and like, I mean, back then, I think especially there was like this idea of like pop is, you know, plastic, but like, yeah, sure. I think maybe not everyone was seeing through the, uh, seeing through the plastic to the, the people behind. I would argue that I think a lot of people have that relationship with Gex. I think that they feel like Gex is kind of revolutionary and revelatory. And I remember when 
I first heard Money Machine, I was both very excited and then cautiously optimistic. And it's it's rare when you listen to so much music where you're like, this could bode well for the future of music, you know, when you hear something new. Wow. <laughs> that, those very are kind. very kind words. Thank you so much. For... First, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I was a dance music critic for like... What's, what's the best dance? The Soldier Boy is actually the best dance. I think longest running number one that is self-produced. Really? Is that true? Do you know true? this off the cuff or are you... Are you... Yeah. I, uh, pretty into the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah. Interesting. We always talk about like what we would do if we had interns. And Dylan said that if he had an intern, he would get them to catalog every billboard 100 and make them sortable by instrument key tempo bpm wow that's such a good project pitch correction speed uh, of autotune wow yeah. yeah for real like songs that are have no drums yeah. that reach number one yeah great metrics Louis Capaldi, I think, is the most recent one. No drums. Dylan, wow. Louis Capaldi, Someone You Loved. Is that the one that's like, uh, I, w- I was getting used to being someone I was getting kind of used to being someone you loved. <laughs> drums don't come in later in that? Never. No bass even. Is it good? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Not many number one songs are bad, I feel like. I don't want to like litigate Imagine Dragons with you right now, but I would argue that there are some. You want to do I, that? I would argue there are some number one songs that have not been good. Which one? Um, not Radioactive. What's the other one? Thunder. Yes. Thunder, see the thunder, lightning and the thunder. Thunder, thunder, see the thunder, lightning and the thunder. thunder. You don't think thunder is good? No. I can't. If one of my friends made Thunder, I would be like, you are super good at making music and should definitely <laughs> pursue this. Like, this is hella good. There's no way you can hear Thunder on a big ass system and be like, that song fucking <laughs> Dylan's, sucks. Dylan's <laughs> metric for for what what is a good song is so great. You can be like, <laughs> you can be like, I don't know if I love that song or whatever. And Dylan's like, if you were listening to this in on a on a huge sound system and your friend made it and and you were hearing it, you wouldn't be like, "Wow, this is great." He has he has many many <laughs> metrics that will will convince you that a song is amazing. I'm not super into thunder, but <laughs> uh, look who's walking it back now. It's fucking good though. <laughs> Also, the bias of if your friend made it is so great. Yeah, I, like, I agree. If my friend made most, like many good, many just fine songs, I'd be like, "This is fucking fantastic." Dylan's been. I'm so proud of you. A lot of me and Lo- a lot of me and Laura's friends make songs all the time. They're incredible. And how many are how how many are as good as Thunder? Several. Yeah, true. To return Banana. to Money Machine, though. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that um I would say that like for someone who doesn't necessarily have the kind of roots in like or haven't ha- haven't listened to PC music or like don't relate necessarily to the disparate styles of music that you guys use separately it can be a lot a practical question because I've listened to Hand Crush by a Mallet and the remix back and forth 
over and over and over again. When you're making a song like that, what is the first step? That one started. Uh, Dylan had an experience. Just with an like experience the, in the studio. Yeah. There was a um, a pest in my quarters that was um, dealing much damage to my uh, brain. And I um, now re- regretted, and I regrettably. Um, had to uh, stamp that pest out. Oh my god, the terminology. <laughs> <laughs> Using a um, a book that um, you find people in. Are you for real? Based in Hollywood. Did, did this, this is, is for, real. for real? We also don't lie, but was, this this is also not a lie. Was the pest a rodent or a bug? That would be so. It had nuts six if legs. It was a rodent. That would be awful. Yeah, if I kill. That's why I am. I would be like, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, it had six legs. I, I still, I still object okay. to killing insects, but uh, you know. Me too. Yeah, but so does Dylan. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it just, it, it was, just it happens. Was, it was regrettable. So, did you start writing about it? Were you playing with some instrumentals already and then this came to be? Or, like, how did the song form? I was kind of working on random stuff that whole day and dealing with that kind of dark force that was in my room. And just, like, building up tension in my head. And I think, like, after the pest uh, departed... Dearly. um, The pest. Yeah. The past, yeah. I started um, started with some vocals on this uh, synth arp that I was working on. In this song, it has, as many of your songs do, this kind of very purposeful use of auto-tune and voice manipulation and i think this goes back a little bit to what we were saying before where it's like deliberately artificial but also feels very vulnerable and human in that kind of artifice um, or that manipulation and i'm curious like why is that such a central part of your vocals see me personally i'm now this is it might shock you not really a great singer so (laughs) auto-tune hitting incredibly hard for me i think that it's it's great to emotive it's still a voice on the other end it's the most emotive instrument so you can still express a lot of stuff yeah definitely i mean like we could do the not as hardcore settings of it for sure but just um feels right all the way at zero i don't know it feels so right it feels very right when it goes from like you do the 10 retune speed where you can like ah, oh, that person's like the drake auto tune mm-hmm. but then you slide it all the way down and it's best you just sing along you just got everything 
I love that you guys are able to jump from peak elements of different genres like very smoothly and naturally in the remix for Hand Crushed by a Mallet. I feel like there's that one point where it drops into this like experimental R&B. It reminds me of like when Fade to Mine and Night Slugs and all of that was popping. Fade to Mind and Night the- Slugs getting me through 2014 before I found PC Music. Right? I was bumping those remixes. That whole EP, I was like, yeah. I cannot believe this exists. I was not tuned into any of that. Yeah, I mean, Dylan, even if you're not tuned into it, it, it like hits for me in this remix. Like, I feel a murmur of that right before we lean into this like peak emo Patrick Stump pop banger. And it feels like a lot, but it feels super cohesive. And I think a lot of people want to know what elements of Gex are irony, if there is any, and what is earnest fandom, or if it's a blend of the two. So many of these songs sound like either heavily researched or just from a place of like archived fandom. Archived fandom yeah, is that's a great, great a great term. We're not going to put anything on the record that we think is stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds so stupid to say. <laughs> um, we, we genuinely enjoy all of these styles just because you're having fun doesn't mean you're being ironic yeah i mean people hate ska i guess it's ska is so hated i feel like ska and dubstep are like get incredible amounts of shit so people think that that's like oh you're doing the ska and dubstep thing i just gotta leave this place with a big bag so i found a fucking jackie and i grabbed it It's funny how people try to project irony onto things that weren't cool. Yeah. Yeah. No more guilty pleasures. No more guilty pleasures 2021. I hate that phrase. It's so bad. a useless phrase. Yeah. Pleasure is Literally. just pleasure. If yeah. it's good, it's good. You're not kidding. Yeah, unless it's Imagine <laughs> Dragons, which is if just it, not good. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Wow. I guess True. that's not always that's not a universal truth. That's but a guess, case by case. That's a very that's a very <laughs> case by case. That's a very case by case uh quote, but but I, I re- relevant here. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. in, relevant here. This, in this case. In musical listening terms, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Now it's time to talk about hyperpop. Let's talk about hyperpop. <laughs> hyperpop. Hyperpop, which is this this like very nebulous term that has come to light very popularly associated with Gex and some of your contemporaries. I guess my question is, do you relate to this term? Would you use this term yourself? Um, where to start? 
Um, yeah. Do, what in your mind do you think that we fit into the genre hyperpop? Yes, because one, I think that a lot of it is anchored on your music. So I think that the term came around in part as related to you and your music, which is part of it. But also because it feels like a stacking of genres at their peak elements. So like, it's extremely relatable. It's extremely, if you want it to be nostalgic, and it's extremely hooky. It's hooks upon hooks. So for me... I define hyperpop very strongly as associated with Gex. Then by that definition, I'm liking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so let me let me actually expand on that. Like, what do you think it's used to describe? Like what is what does hyperpop signify? It's a pretty uh wide-reaching term. Like when we were curating the hyperpop playlist the spotify one yeah i think we had so few similar songs to what they had on it previously yeah but using like the definition of hyperpop it kind it like all kind of like still fit yeah so how did you curate that are there artists that you feel land safely and snugly in hyperpop canon yes yeah for sure like um Pretty much all the PC music stuff. Dory and Electra. Mm-hmm. Lots of like post PC music. I think a lot of like sound design porn type stuff mm-hmm. would would be would be corralled under that term too. If it if it evokes pop elements. Post Sophie shit. Yeah. Uh. Sophie. 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 Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's also like stuff that is pre pc that i think could like like pop the glock i would say could be for sure in that Interesting. yeah 100 percent. pop the glock the glock you pop if you had a line at your bank pop pop the glock the glock you pop if you had a line at your bank pop up is banging up is banging it seems like hyper pop is such an undefined term that yeah there are lots of artists that could be under that term like but everyone's making their own metric for it you know yeah did you guys see the kind of internet controversy around A.G. Cook's hyperpop playlist? The whole thing about how he included Nicki Minaj and then Fancy by Iggy Azalea and Charlie. And some of the hyperpop fans were really upset by this. Oh, fan- Fancy with Iggy and Charlie? Yeah. I feel like Fancy probably probably fits under the umbrella. Yeah, I think the why of that is what is hard to pin down. Why fancy? Why does fancy fit? I'd say Charlie's parts. I if if you could isolate yeah. those, yes. I don't think there would be as much contest if you could isolate Charlie's mm-hmm. parts on it. Yeah, like the chorus is sounds much more like a hyper pop thing than like any Iggy Azalea part. Yeah. If we're trying to whittle it down, this is like a real brain exercise for myself too, but if we're trying to whittle it down to a production standpoint, like, do we have any sense of what it is or is it more of a feeling? It's like so case by case. There's like, yeah, 
you could say it's like super saws with goofy snares and like big minimal bass with gaps or it could be like sped up punk song with auto-tune vocals mm -hmm. or like a slow ballad with a pad yeah i i feel like some people wouldn't call all of those things hyper pop though so i think everybody draws the line in the sand at a different point yeah because um, yeah. like for me like my definition of hyper pop i'm putting like britney spears in there like i'm putting <laughs> baby one more time in there Lots of lots of lots of uh, Max Martin songs going in that mm -hmm. bucket. I wish we had like a panel here that could just do like really quick votes because like I would love to see what a panel of like a hundred people thought was and wasn't. So like, so yeah. do people think Searle is hyper pop? I for sure would put <laughs> would put like Searle as hyper pop, but I'm sure some people wouldn't. Right. Yeah. But it's it shares a lot of the elements that people would associate if you were trying to define hyper. -pop. How about where are you now? Yeah, true. Like would people would people no. say that? No. It's going under uh, it's going, it's no going under Actually, my umbrella for sure. See, it's going the, definitely it has going like, under my umbrella. Is it but what is it? What is it about it that makes it hyper pop? It's got the bass doing the polyrhythm. It's got the crazy sounds it's got the snares it's got the it's got crazy energy. it's got lots of lots of things but it doesn't it's not part of the scene it's not part of the scene for sure so if Jack U came out now, would, would they, they be, be considered hyper pop? Hyper pop. Well, that's hypothetical music, right? Wouldn't know. Maybe. If okay, so like, um, what's what's the song that uh, Skrillex <laughs> did for the the Kingdom Hearts thing? Um, Face my fears. That song is so fucking good. Would you consider Face My Fears hyper More so than Where Are You Now? Okay, now follow-up question. <laughs> if some person online released Face My Fears and I retweeted it, would you think that it was hyper -pop? For sure. Interesting. Um, I think I would be biased towards it, yes. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, that was sort of a leading question. I've kind of figured, but like, maybe it maybe it really is just as much a group of people as it is which and that's a scary thought right because mm -hmm. like you know you don't want to narrow it down to a group of people because that could make it super exclusionary i think that that's one problem that a lot of like critics of hyper pop have 
with it is that it seems to be a sort of exclusionary scene. Yeah. Certainly trying to not make it that. Yeah, that's worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's like part of the reason that I, I have such a whatever, you know, relationship with the term and us being associated with the term is I do not want to be associated with something that is like, you know, seems like such a, a, a small group of people. Gatekeepery. Yeah. Anything, any exclusive club, fuck that. Yeah. Well, do you feel, what do you feel like your role is in like fostering new artists or welcoming them or, you know, highlighting them? Do you feel an obligation of any sort? I mean, it just so happens that we ended up with a lot of followers and people that um, if we recommend music, people will yeah. listen to it. So, I mean, it's cool to be like, whoa, this song is really good and does not have super many listens. And this person is really cool. And just be like, I like this song. And people are like, wow, yeah, that song is very good. And it has more listens now. It's also cool because there's like so many new kids that are doing such crazy oh shit that we're just fans yeah. of like mm-hmm. yeah totally the like kind of next wave i guess mm-hmm. yeah i think like regard yeah like regardless of the name we just like we're doing a playlist and like all these new artists and shit that people hadn't known before and wanted to put include them in some place that is gonna be seen by more people yeah i was gonna ask are there are there any artists that you're like super excited about right now? Parker, aka yeah. Quinn. Parker. What's a what's a song that you would recommend? Bad idea. Produced by Black Winter Wells, which is another great artist who would would not describe herself as hyperpop. That's why this whole thing of of defining hyperpop and just the, it's it's a it, it's it's this word that doesn't mean anything but it has it it does have power it's like a it's like a yeah a, a just this like symbol that you can be like this wow hey check this out this is hyperpop and people will be like i'm gonna listen to that yeah the playlist is a useful tool for sure yeah definitely i also think that's why i mean for better or for worse i'm curious how you guys feel about this too the spotify playlist feels like that's where the definition of hyperpop is now being litigated because yeah. that playlist feels influential. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think totally. Part of the appeal um, to me about of your music is that the stacking of genres and these like very syncable like reference points really makes the stuff accessible. Like you can like four different types of music and not be into the other ones and they'll all be on the same song and that creates relatability for me that's cool i never thought about that and i wonder like and that's why earlier when i was saying i'm cautiously i was cautiously optimistic when i heard money machine is because it whenever there's a music musical movement or a genre that feels like it can unify people who like different things that feels positive to me. So I am curious, like, forget trying to define what hyperpop is, but when you think about hyperpop and like the hyperpop community and kind of your role in it, 
what do you feel like this could do for music going forward, for pop music going forward, for the way that people try to experiment with how they produce music? I think at its best, it produces a way for artists who might go unappreciated to be appreciated and people who are, you know, on mm-hmm. their own making just stuff that they love and but might not fit under a definition super well to have an audience and have a community of people and everybody has mm-hmm. a place at the table accessibility accessibility yeah and you can and you can have it a big theme for us you can have it all together even if it you know you said it it's sort of chaotic and a mishmash right so if there's varying mm-hmm. styles of chaotic mishmash all together then you know that's that's great it has like a you have a playlist of hyperpop that's like a big soup yeah it seems like um with that it's very down to people to push boundaries more so than other type you can do wacky shit and get away with it more so get away with whatever yeah people can find their home wherever they want yeah. to find it totally well last question for you guys is what's coming up what are you guys working on i feel there's an album on the horizon there is an album on the horizon we are currently working on the follow-up to 1000 gex will you be in the studio with anyone we're in with randy newman honestly dream collab getting in with randy newman he's an incredible songwriter incredible yes we've been in with him it's great randy newman's (laughs) hyper pop randy newman's hyper pop you got a friend in me you got a friend in me Gex Remix. You got a friend in me. <laughs> Run my head on your miles and miles from the nice warm bed. Nice warm bed. <laughs> if you want to hear the songs that we talked about on this episode, check out our Spotify playlist. It's called The Pitchfork Review Music from the Podcast. The Pitchfork Review is hosted by me, Pooja Patel. Special thanks to Laura Less and Dylan Brady for coming on the episode. You can follow 100 Gex on Twitter at 100Gex. You can follow me at Sonari. You can follow Pitchfork on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pitchfork. This episode was produced by Ben Montoya and Caitlin Pierce. It was edited by Todd Whitney and Andy Cush. Our executive producer is Alex Kappelman. Our original music is by Andrew Epen of Basement Crafts. This episode was mixed and scored by Ben Montoya. Special thanks to Noah Yu, Kat Zhang, and Amy Phillips. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. You can also send an email to podcast at pitchfork.com with any feedback. Thanks for listening and see you next week.